Merry Christmas, Calvary. If we've never met, my name is Thomas, and I get to be on staff here at the church, and it is a wonderful thing to gather together as a family and to bring friends, neighbors, coworkers to celebrate what God has done in great love to send us his son to be our savior, to gather in this place to remember that and to lift our voices and sing wonderful carols of joy to the world, to be able to gather together and sing carols like Silent Night. I don't know if you know the story of Silent Night. It's less familiar to most. In fact, take a quick look at the story of Silent Night. folks, welcome to the Bethlehem Bed and Breakfast. How can I help you? Hi, my name is Joseph and this is my wife, Mary, and we have a reservation. I don't have a reservation for a Mary and a Joseph. I do have one for Abraham and Sarah. Right here. Oh, welcome. Come on down. Here are your keys. Thank you. Is it a nice room? It's the honeymoon suite. Yes. Breakfast is at 7 a.m. Now, let's see. Yes, I'm sorry. We have no reservation for Mary and Joseph. You should. My wife made the reservation a couple months ago. No, you made the reservation. No, you made the reservation. No, you said I won't forget to make the reservation. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to challenge that. Okay, go ahead. You still have one left. This What Really Happened replay is brought to you by Caesar's Palace. I think my favorite part was when you said, obviously I'll make the reservation. It is my hometown. Mary, I'm sorry, Mary. Mary, Mary, talk to me, Mary. Mary, talk to me. Talk to me, Mary. Talk to me, Mary. Mary, talk to me. Talk to me, Mary. This is a lot of pressure on my position. I'm not totally sure it went down that way. There are some things we don't know about the Christmas story. But there are many things that we do. And the reason we know them is because eyewitnesses recorded for us in historical documents what happened that evening. In fact, that's the life of Jesus Christ. His birth, his life, his miracles, his teachings, his death and resurrection are all compiled for us in historical, reliable documentation so that we can have confidence as we gather in 2022, that what we've heard is certain. In fact, the story that was read from the Gospel of Luke is one of those historical documents. Luke, being a well-educated physician, no fool, 
went around and investigated all the claims of Christ and the people who were making these claims. And he compiled it like an investigative journalist so that the lovers of God would know that what they have heard is certain and true. And in that little narrative that we read from Luke chapter two, we see three things. There's a decree that goes out, which leads to an announcement that is made and an invitation to be received. The decree is from Caesar Augustus. Here is the ruler of the known world going about his business as he wants. And as he makes a decree for his own selfishness to count probably his citizens for tax purposes, God uses him as an instrument to move his promised plans forward. You see, Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth in Galilee, as the story says, but the Messiah is to be born as the Magi learn as the scriptures foretold in a city known as Bethlehem. And through, so through a decree in which was initiated by Caesar, God brings his chosen servant to the place of his chosen birth, Bethlehem. And there are the shepherds gathered outside of the town, watching their flocks by night. And the angels, I can just imagine the excitement in heaven. It's like, now, do we, do we go now? Do we go, do we go now? No, not yet, not yet. Yeah, now. And they just rush on the scene. And they explain that there is something that God is doing in human history on the planet, in the real flesh that you have experienced tonight. And it's gonna be good news for all people. It's gonna be good news that produces great joy for all the people. And the shepherds are the first ones to hear that the promised shepherd of God's people has arrived. And they go to investigate what they have just heard. There's an invitation for them to come and see. Come and see what God has done. Come and see who this Jesus is. Come and see what he will do. Because Jesus is not something new as we've been looking at this month. He is something promised and fulfilled. In fact, you may be here because you are receiving an invitation. Maybe a friend, a coworker, a family member finally wore you down enough to join them. And that's what an invitation is, is come, be a part of something. And then people try to convince you, come be a part of it. It's really gonna be good. It's gonna be worth your time. Perhaps this invitation is, is something that you have neglected for many years. But this invitation is not something that just arrived on the scene in Bethlehem. It was something that was promised, offered hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' arrival, something to be fulfilled by Jesus. And so we've been looking at one of those prophets by the name of Isaiah in the month of December, looking at all the ways that God promised his Messiah would come centuries before so that when he did, you would recognize who it was and know that God is faithful and true to keep his promises. And so this invitation is an amazing invitation that we see in Isaiah chapter 55. In Isaiah chapter 55, you can hear these words, words that really encompass the entire faith of Christianity. Like what are Christians saying? It's wrapped up in this one word, come. Like come and see what God has done. God has, God has done something amongst us. He's done something for us. Come and see. And so Isaiah 55, verse one, come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come. 
buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come. That's the invitation. That you would come into the waters. Everyone who thirsts, raise your hand if you've ever thirsted for water before. So you're in God's mind when he sends out this invitation. Anyone who's thirsty, anyone who's ever experienced a thirst, come. And there's two kinds of people that are thirsty. This first one is in verse one. Come who are thirsty and have no money, resources to buy water. If you have nothing, come and buy with no price. How do you buy with no price? Because there's an exchange that's happened, but it's not from your pockets. You have to buy on someone else's credit. This is what's gonna be unveiled, unveiled as Jesus Christ to come. And you will purchase on his credit, not your own. And so this idea of come who are thirsty and have nothing, this picture of you being in the desert, dying for a drink of water, and you have no resources to do it. He says, oh, you're welcome to come. See, we often at Christmas time hear about all these great deals, good news of great deals, but not for everyone. It's for, and they always put a little slammer, for qualified buyers. Like, oh, that's not me. For those without pre-existing conditions, oh, that's not me. For those over the age of 65, oh, that's not me. And so the good news that often the world gives has a disclaimer of who it's really for. But here, God's invitation, come, all you who thirst, everyone raise their hand, I thirst. If you have nothing, you can't purchase anything, come. Come if you're thirsty. Now, come to the waters. These are living waters. Come to the waters and drink. Now, there's another kind of person, this is verse two, who's also thirsty. So you might find yourself in category number one. I thirst, my soul searches for things that I'm not satisfied about, who I am, my identity, what this world is about, what's the purpose of life. You're craving these things. Come, if you have no resources to do it. But some in the room say, I ain't poor. Like, don't you know who I am? Like, look at what I'm wearing. I have plenty of resources, but you're still thirsty. And that's verse two. Verse two says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which, is not, which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. And so this person is thirsty as well. And they are, they are using the resources that God has given them to try to satisfy this longing with everything the world offers. You see what it says? Like you labor hard. I mean, you're, you work 60 hours maybe in a week. What you do is really, really hard and, and you're paid for it. Why do you take all of that money from your labor and you keep buying things, acquiring things that does not satisfy your soul? You see, Jesus in his ministry was sitting by a well of water. He picks up these prophets imagery often. He's sitting by this well and there's a woman that comes who's, who's not Jewish. She's kind of outside the family of God, so to speak. And he's sitting by the well and he asks her for a drink and he says, well, why are you talking to me? I'm this Samaritan woman. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't fit the mold of Israel's preferred people. He says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for something to drink. And he's, he's gonna unpack for her that he is the living water that the world is invited to come 
and drink from. And then he tells her something about her life. He says, you know, you've been married five times and the man you're currently living with is not your husband. And she's just flabbergasted that he knows all of this about her. He says, truly, you're a prophet. I recognize that you're a prophet. And what she says, when Messiah comes, when, when the promised one that Isaiah 55 talks about, when he shows up, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus says, the time is coming and is, is now. I am he. I am the one that, that, that Isaiah foretold was coming. And if you would drink from me, not from this well, from me, then you'll never thirst again. Like I bring the, the living water that satisfies people's thirsts. And so you might be category one, I'm thirsty and I got nothing. I mean, just look at the decisions I've made in my life. It's just like this train wreck behind you. Like I come and I have nothing, but I'm thirsty. My soul is not satisfied. Others come tonight and they say, man, I am thirsty and I, I will try to satisfy. And so maybe you're on your fifth house, your fifth job. Maybe you're on your fifth marriage. You're in your fifth city because you're trying to satisfy your thirst and Jesus's invitation to both people who are thirsty, those who are bankrupt and those who are trying to satisfy themselves, come, come to the waters and drink. And there's these three pictures here of water, of wine and of milk. And the prophets often use imagery to kind of, kind of paint in a wider picture of what God offers. And so what are these three things? Well, the first is, is just water that's necessary for life. If you don't have water, you perish. Now you can go without bread for more than a month. You can't go more than a few days without water. And so Jesus is saying with water is, come and I will give you the necessary element that preserves your life. I'll give you water that actually makes you alive but that's not just enough. This is how good God is. He says, okay, I'll give you water so that you don't die. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And he says, then I'm gonna give you milk. Come, come, come get milk. What's milk? Well, milk is the nourishment. It's the necessary ingredient to have an infant grow up. It strengthens their body. It builds their body. It lets them develop. And so not only will he save you with water, but he'll give you the necessary ingredients to build your life up, to nourish you, to strengthen you. Thank you, Jesus, that you'll save me and then build me. But God is so good and so compassionate. Not only does he give us those two things, what does he give you? Wine. Now, some people have abused wine and it totally devours their life. But that's not the picture of, of wine in the scriptures. When he speaks of the great banquets that God has for his people, wine is what? It, what cheers your heart, does it not? Many of you will probably have a glass of wine at, at some celebration tonight or tomorrow, and it cheers you. It brings gladness to you. And so think of it, these three things are a picture of coming to Jesus, that he will once, first and foremost, give you what is necessary, that you go from death to life. And then he'll give you what you need for your life to be nourished and strengthened and built up. And then he has the ingredients to cheer your soul, to bring you gladness and joy. And so this is the invitation. Come to me, everyone who thirsts. Those who have nothing, those who are trying to satisfy themselves with everything, come to me. I have water, milk, and wine. Verse three. So how do we do this? Well, incline your ear. 
Like, turn your ears on, listen, and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. When you think of covenant, the words are, are vows, what you do in marriage. Come to me, I'll make a, a marriage with you. It'll be relational, not contractual. Be relational, come to me. Turn your ears on. So open your ears and quicken your feet. Verse four, behold, I made him, this is now speaking of that Messiah. I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. This Messiah, this Jesus will not just be for the ethnic people of Israel, but the nations of the world. This Jesus in Bethlehem is for the nations of the world, every tribe, tongue, and peoples to come running to. Verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. So there's a time for this invitation in which it's open to RSVP and there's a time in which the invitation expires. And so the invitation is open your ears and run to me while the invitation still stands. And like all invitations, they lead to an event. That's what you're being invited to, come to an event. And then once the event is going, once the event is established, you don't need the invitation anymore. And so Jesus coming is the time now that the invitation is open to all who thirst, bankrupt or well-resourced, to come to him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's now. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So, so give up the way you think your life should go and give up the way you think it should go. Give up your ways and your thoughts and let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. So give up your ways and your thinking of the way you think your life should go and return to him. That's the words of repentance. It is that you would, you're going in a direction and you stop and you turn and you start pursuing the Lord and his ways and his thoughts. Now, now, what kind of God receives those people that turn to him? Is it a God that's condemning you? That will shame you and embarrass you? Is that what Isaiah says here? No, how does he describe the God that receives people that turn to him, that come to him who are thirsty? Look at this, this is how good God is. Let him return to the Lord that he may have what? Compassion on you. That's the Lord. If you turn to him, he's waiting to shower you with his compassion and then do what? What will he do for you? Pardon everything. He'll forgive you. So when you turn to the Lord, should you expect a God who's gonna condemn you? and punish you? No, he's gonna have compassion on you and pardon all of your mistakes. That's wonderful news. Here we are in verse eight, because God is a different God than we are. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I says, okay, turn away from the way you think your life should go, the way you think your life should be and come to me and I'm gonna give you my ways and my thoughts that are so much higher and better than your ways and your thoughts. 
you think of Christmas time, kids in the room, you have some presents maybe coming tomorrow morning, hopefully. And you're hoping that maybe mom or dad got you something on your list that you told them that you wanted. Like maybe you made a list of all the things that you would desire to have. Maybe you do this for your spouse or family members and you're exchanging gifts and you're hoping something on your list comes. And if it does, that's really exciting, isn't it? Like you wanted it, someone loved you enough and got it for you. But have you ever experienced a gift like this? It's like somebody knows you, knows what you're interested in, knows what you're passionate about. And they know you so well that they saw a gift that wasn't on your list, that wasn't in your mind. You didn't even know it existed. And they wrapped it up. And on Christmas morning, it blows your mind. That's the kind of gift that Jesus is. You see, Jesus is the one that says, I know your estate. I know where you are. I know your struggle. I know what's going on. You're not even thinking you want a gift like this. You don't even know a gift like this exists. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways, my ways. They're so much higher. And so I'm gonna give you a gift that you didn't even know was possible. I'm gonna send you my son who receives you in compassion and pardons all your sin that you might be with me for eternal life. That's the gift that Jesus is. That's the kind of gift that he brings. And then verse 10, we'll kind of conclude here in these last two verses. And the way he, he, address, he invites people is through his words always. Verse 10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. He says, okay, when, when this story of Christmas is told, when, 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 the, when the words about Messiah are shared, when, when the words of come, all who thirst to the waters, it's like rain and snow from the heavens that come down to the earth for a purpose. Like it rains and it, and it snows. It brings moisture to the earth for a purpose, for really young purposes. Like it takes dead seeds and it sprouts out new life. And it also takes plants that are living and it nourishes them so that it brings a fruitfulness, a bread, so that the people who sowed the seed can enjoy the fruit. He says, so is my word. Every time this story goes out, it goes out with purpose and it will not return empty to me. And so in this room, God's word has been read and shared and there's a purpose to it for your life. You, you came tonight to hear God's word, his story shared. And the Lord has a purpose for it in your life. Perhaps it's, it's that new faith, that seed that has never sprouted before. And you hear that God so loved the world, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die. That whosoever is thirsty can come to him and be pardoned. Some of those in the room just have had a really hard year. And to be reminded that Jesus the Christ is with you. 
and to be nourished. You need that milk, that nourishment of what the Christmas story brings, that God is with you, that he sees you, that he knows your pain, and it is Emmanuel, God with us. Now there's come and it seems like life just is working for you right now. And you come to hear the story and it just brings that gladness and celebration. You say, man, how good is God that he has saved me and changed me and what he's done for me. Praise be to him. Praise be to him. And so his word has something for you. What does he want in response in your life? What does he want to do in your life? What have you heard from him tonight that's just for you? For his word is like rains and snow that comes on your life with purpose and it will not return to him empty-handed. And so that's part of the Christmas story is Isaiah 55, that a Messiah would come. And the reason he came is so that we might be able to go to him. This same passage is picked up on the last page of the Bible. Did you know that? The last page of the Bible where Jesus says, and I'm coming again. It says that now that the spirit and the church say to the world, that they announce the invitation, come, whosoever thirsts, and they will be satisfied in me. And then Jesus says, and I am coming soon. And so all those who have heard the Christmas story and say, yes, I have come to you. Now we say to him, come Lord Jesus quickly, Maranatha, show up and restore the broken world as you originally intended it to be. And so we remember the Christmas story as we look back to the arrival, the first advent, and we look forward to the next arrival, the second advent of Jesus the Christ. And there's this imagery that has been given by God to the church, which is light and darkness. This is why we light candles, is that the world sat in darkness, which was in a state of being imprisoned by our wickedness. And in that darkness, God so loved us that he sent his son, which was the light of the world. The light of the world would come to penetrate darkness that whosoever comes to him would have life. This is how John said it. The true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But, to all who received him, that's those who were thirsty and came to him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So I want that to be in your mind as we move into candle lighting. Well, what we'll do it here at Calvary is we just turn all the lights off. And for a moment, we sit in darkness and we remember our state. And then when a light penetrates the darkness, it's the coming of Christ. And all those who are thirsty, all those who are willing to come to the light will receive it. It's theirs. And so just take a moment and we'll slowly move into darkness. 
and then we will light the candle. 